glad you chose to be with me again today. We're in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, and we're hearing what Jesus had to say to those early disciples and to us. And in the 17th verse, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will be by any means disappear from the law under every, until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the, the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is very important for Jesus clarifies some things for us about, about the Old Testament law and about what it is that he wants us to do with it. You know, obviously the Ten Commandments are still uh, something that, that are very important. None of those have changed. But I think you, you, we need to see how he relates to it. He says the commandments uh, are not annulled. They're not destroyed. They're not done away with. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to do away with them. I came to fulfill them, to fill them up with meaning. Now, he did adjust the ideas of his day. There, was fault, there were false conceptions and faulty interpretations, but he didn't repudiate the Old Testament law, which the Pharisees had so distorted, and they had built up all kinds of things around that law that were not a part of it. So Jesus said, I'm here not to repudiate the Old Testament truth. I'm here to make it relevant, to fulfill it, to give it life. And the law to the Jew was the whole Jewish law, the ceremonial law, the judicial law, the moral law, and, and the prophets, all the writings of the prophets, Jesus. I came to fulfill those too. Jesus puts his seal of authority upon the Old Testament. He believed it all. It was God's word. And if we deny the Old Testament, we really deny Jesus. And he said, I've come to complete it, to bring it to perfection. Uh, T.P. Bernard said in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has, has a voice of the, he has the voice of the original lawgiver expounding and clearly saying what his own intentions are, not the perversions of men, but the truth of God. Well, how did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets? He fulfilled them in his own life and in his own actions. The way Jesus lived and what he did personified a person who believes in the law. Now, he wasn't depending on the law, but he was living the law. And historically, he fulfilled it. If you'll look in Scripture, it's always saying when Jesus did a certain thing, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, it's always saying something about how Jesus came to fulfill the law, and, and then it quotes the Scripture. This was fulfilled, this actual scripture was fulfilled in Jesus. Also, he obediently fulfilled the law. He, he never broke any of the laws of God that were true laws. Now, he broke some of the traditions that had crowded, been crowded around the laws, some of the beliefs of the, a lot of the people of his day. And also, he quoted from the Old Testament over, 20, I think, 24, 25 times, and, uh, well, more than that, uh, many, many more times, but uh, from 24 of the Old Testament books and about 400 times. So Jesus fulfilled 
the law by making actual what had been foreshadowed or predicted. In his death and resurrection, Jesus became the Savior of the world and the way of salvation. And it had always been that you were saved by faith, even in the Old Testament. Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Habakkuk said, the just shall live by faith. So it's always been by faith, but now it's really clear it's faith not just in God, but faith in God and his son Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the law is never a means of salvation. We can't keep it. It's impossible to measure up to the law. And, but the law is a standard, and the law tells us what we should be and what we should do. And Jesus fulfilled all of the law in fullness and brought it to a completion in a way that it had never been before. In fact, the law stands as long as heaven and earth, the Bible says, until they will fall away. God's law is absolute. And it's even to the, sm to the smallest letter he mentions in the original language, the smallest letter in the alphabet, and he mentions a, a little stroke that distinguishes a letter from another, like the crossing of a T, to that point, he fulfills the law. He doesn't take it away. and even But the ceremonial laws, the animal sacrifices, the priesthood, and all of that, he fulfilled. He completed that. The scripture says there's no longer a need for us to sacrifice animals. We have the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. God's own son, Jesus, made the sacrifice for us. But the moral law has not passed away. Today, a lot of people believe in what has come to be called situation ethics. That is, their ethics and their moral behavior depends on the situation. And so they can change it from day to day or hour to hour. It's all right to lie if that is better for you, makes you look better. It's okay to cheat if that helps you to get ahead, on and on and on. But that's not the, the way the Bible teaches us that there is no situation ethics. We can't determine the law for ourselves. A lot of people say, well, whatever you believe is okay for you and whatever I believe is okay for me. No, it isn't. It's what God says that's okay for me and okay for you. And it's the same for both. But I want you to see the seriousness of God's command. He says, if you break my law, if you set it aside or disregard it, even the smallest command, then you will be the least in the kingdom. You see, he fulfilled the law so his followers could be looked at as keepers of God's commands. Now, that doesn't mean we do it legalistically. We do it out of the power of the Holy Spirit and love in our hearts. And, for example, if you break the Ten Commandments on a consistent basis, they'll eventually break you. If you continue to commit immorality, it will catch up with you. If you, if you continue to steal, it will catch up with you. If you don't worship God, it will catch up with you. It will break us, and we will be broken. You see, it, it, it's not going to be broken. We break it, but we don't break it. We break it for ourselves, and we will be destroyed, not it. But if we keep it, he says, we'll be great. G John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amazing how much Christ said about being great. Always He's talking about true greatness, the kind that recognizes God, the kind that doesn't fit the world's standard, the kind that's different and better. But then he says something that's quite astounding, really. 
he says, except your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't, you won't get into heaven. And that's a rather staggering statement. I'll tell you why. Because the Pharisees and the religious leaders were the biggest law keepers in all of Israel. They far kept the laws more than anyone else. Now, it was all outward, and it was all a lot for show, but Jesus knew that man's outward works were not sufficient, and his formal uh, things that he does is not, is not going to get us straight with God. And so he said God's righteousness is what we need. Now, God's righteousness is different from man's righteousness. Man's righteousness is what man can produce. God's righteousness is what God can produce. First of all, God gives us what we call an imputed righteousness when we receive Christ. He, he declares us right. He declares us right with God. He declares us a child of God. And then afterwards, he, he works in us for us to have righteousness produced through our lives by the Holy Spirit. Now, we can be like the scribes and Pharisees, and it be all outward and all formal and there's light, no life. That doesn't make much of a difference. Jesus deals with inner attitudes, inner motives, and those things that matter on the inside of man. And we're going to pick up tomorrow and talk about what those things are in the areas of our daily lives. It's going to be very practical. I hope you'll be with us.